change the channel. It is time for the real movie news. I'm Jim. This is Cody. And this is the news. Sad news to start out today. Legendary comic book writer Denny O'Neill passed this weekend. For those of you who don't know who Denny O'Neill was, he's primarily responsible for basically resurrecting Batman and DC Comics in the 70s. He created characters such as Raja Ghoul. He also had a legendary run of writing for Green Arrow and Green Lantern, where they teamed up in DC Comics. And basically, before Frank Miller wrote The Dark Knight Returns, before Tim Burton directed the big screen adaptation in 89, before Christopher Nolan revitalized the Batman franchise, Denny O'Neill is pretty much responsible for making Batman who he is today and was a huge influence on the legendary animated series in the 90s. And it's just kind of sad that he's no longer with us. It really is, because he basically brought it back from the campy 60s into more of a true Batman based on the comics uh, and, and brought it back to what it was and eventually became. And yeah, I had a friend who's a professor who got to meet Denny O'Neill once, I guess at a convention or somewhere. Mm-hmm. And he shook his hand and told him basically, as far as I'm concerned, you're Batman. Though it was supposed to come out to U.S. theaters back in April, the Dave Bautista action comedy film I Spy is going straight to Amazon Prime. Even though it did see a play in a few non-U.S. markets, the PG-13 film about a spy teaming up with a kid will be hitting the streaming service on June 29th. So, you know, if you need something to watch with the kids and you like action, there you go. I mean, this is just a um, a continuous... Uh format we're seeing that has happened with COVID going on. You know, Lovebirds came onto Netflix. Artemis Fowl just dropped on Disney. Right. It's just a way to get some movies out there that probably wouldn't have had a big theatrical life or just like, look, we don't want to wait to delay this movie. So we're going to put it on a streaming service for people to watch because people need content. Well, on top of that note, the Tom Hanks World War II drama is going to Apple TV July 10th, Greyhound. This is another film that Apple is trying to catch up in the streaming game as it is, and this is a way to see a movie, again, that probably wouldn't have made a big splash at the theater, but now may get a bigger audience that it's on streaming, and could boost Apple TV subscribers. Um, Speaking of uh, Tom Hanks, Universal's post-apocalyptic film Bios is getting moved to 2021. The film, which stars Tom Hanks, was scheduled for an October release, but with everything going on, it's just one more film getting bumped back. The film from Steven Spielberg's Amblin Banner is now scheduled for April 16th, 2021. It's just the name of the game right now. So many (laughs) things are getting delayed and pushed back. Right. I was super excited for this uh, because, you know, I love post-apocalyptic films and Tom Hanks usually does a fantastic job. Uh, So, you know, always got to watch his. Speaking of things getting pushed back from our last episode, Warner Brothers has announced that Tenet will not be released until July 31st now. 
now making Disney's Mulan potentially the first film to come back into theaters July 24th. And Warner Brothers pushed back Wonder Woman again. It was originally supposed to come out, I think, last weekend or the weekend before, and they pushed it back to August because of COVID, and now it's been pushed to October 2nd, which is smart, but... As far as Tenet goes, I don't know what that two-week time frame is going to do, but there you go. That's what they've done. They've pushed it back two weeks. Well, they were so set on not moving. At least two weeks is something, I guess. You know, I mean, it could be worse, but uh, I don't know. We'll see if it gets bumped back further later or if everything's better, at least for a while at that point. So who knows? Apparently, COVID-19 isn't only affecting humans. Kaiju lovers will be sad to find out that Godzilla vs. Kong will no longer be showing this November. It will instead be moving to a May 21st, 2020 release as the companies continue to shuffle their release dates. I suspected this was going (laughs) to happen once Bond was pushed to November and then all these other bigger movies were getting pushed back that that was going to happen because they didn't want to compete with the um, films they didn't think they were going to have to compete with. Right, right. Very true. Speaking of monsters, uh, David Cope, screenwriter, recently interviewed with Collider.com, and he said that him and Universal are still prepping to do their Bride of Frankenstein film for the Dark Universe, or at least an updated version of this story for Universal, which was originally supposed to star Javier Bardem as the monster and Angelina Jolie as the bride of Frankenstein, with Bill Condon, who's known for directing Gods and Monsters, which was about James Well, the man who directed the first two Frankenstein films, and the recent Beauty and, Be- Beauty and the Beast remake. Well, I'm excited. I hope maybe they come out at some point soon. So, Yeah, of all the Dark Universe films before the recent yeah. Invisible Man and the newer ones that were announced, this was the one that sounded the most interesting to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, in more monster movie news, uh, according to an article from Empire, Sigourney Weaver has received a 50-page treatment for a fifth film with Ripley in the Alien franchise. Uh, Though sadly, Weaver says she is unsure if the future of Alien rests in the revival of her character, saying that the character, quote, deserves a rest. Uh, She's kind of unsure if she's going to go forward with it. Uh, She's had the script for a while, and who knows? We'll see. I mean, they've been wanting to make this movie for quite some time. There was, for a while a script developing by Neil Blomkamp, who mm-hmm. did District 9 and Elysium, who was going to do a Alien sequel, which basically ignored 3 yeah. and Resurrection, and would have Hicks and Bishop and Newt. I'm not sure how that film would have worked, since all these actors have aged 30-plus <laughs> years. I guess they could be in hypersleep again. Sure. But... Yeah, I love this franchise, and I like even some of the badder or not-so-good films in this franchise. But, you know, Sigourney Weaver kind of has done this and had her say with Ripley, so if she doesn't really want to do it, I don't blame her, because 
it could tarnish already what she's done, even even if it's a hefty sum. And Chigourney Weaver is getting older, and she may just want to do things that are a little more interesting to her it's than true. returning to her iconic role that most people know her for. Yeah. And if she's going to return to space, uh, maybe a Galaxy Quest sequel would be more fun for her, I think, based on what I've seen. I believe she's also going to be in the Avatar sequel. Oh, that's true. She's doing all the Avatar movies. I forget. I try to forget about those films. Um, but <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I they can always move forth uh, forward with a uh, oh, I just drew a blank on her name on a Newt film if they really want to go forward. Because I know there was talk before about doing a movie that revolved around Newt, and or even have uh, one where. Um, Ripley's daughter is looking for her mother or whatever. So, I mean, there, there are options if they want to go forward. I know they're still talking about doing some uh, some of the prequel films, uh, some more prequel films, but, uh, you know, they have options. So, Yeah, I know Ridley Scott would like to do another film with Michael Fassbender mm -hmm. about his David character, but I'm not so sure with Disney now owning Fox right. that they want to do... Um, yeah. Those kind of films that Ridley Scott was trying to do with Prometheus and Alien Covenant. Yeah. I enjoyed them, though. I like them a lot, but uh, who knows? Yeah, I like those films, too, even though Alien Covenant kind of is a cop-out for <laughs> Ridley Scott. Because he's like, okay, you want more of an Alien movie? Fine, I'll make more of an Alien movie, even though I'm more interested in this. Yeah engineer weird stuff universe these might be the creators of the human race right. sort of thing going on speaking of alien alien 3 director though he probably would not want us to credit <laughs> him for directing that film david fincher's new film mank which is about the making of citizen kane could be released to netflix as early as october which I'm actually really excited for this because one, David Fincher hasn't made a movie since Gone Girl. Wow. And that's yeah, it's been a minute. Six years. He's been doing he's been producing and directing T V series such as Mindhunter. Yeah. And even though this is going straight to Netflix, I'm just excited that he is making a feature film again and it's an interesting subject matter. And starring Gary Oldman, by the way. Well, yeah, that, that right there says enough to watch it. Uh, and Straight to Netflix isn't what it used to be with Straight to VHS or DVD. I mean, Straight to Netflix, we've seen several good films coming that way. So, And a lot of high-profile directors are going there because these streaming services are allowing them to use whatever budget they want without the constraints of having to make their money back. For sure. I mean, you know, you don't have to worry with all the rigmarole of going to a theater release. And there's a lot of perks. And, you know, I, again, with everybody being at home and theaters being barely open, if they are open in any place in the United States, I, I couldn't say for sure as far as major motion pictures. I mean, we have a few overseas markets going, but like, yeah, there, there's no I mean, right now is the time to invest in putting films onto these streaming services, because you know what? Uh that's the only place people are watching. Yeah. So I'm very excited about this film. Yeah, me too. Um, okay, speak. Uh, we mentioned earlier uh, James Bond moving to November. Uh, but like we said, we keep seeing these films getting pushed further and further back. But we 
are going to see some things moving forward, uh, just like James Bond's No Time to Die, uh, which is, you know, as I said, the, the next film in the James Bond franchise. Uh, its U.S. release date is moving five whole days sooner, from the 25th to the 20th of November. Its U.K. release is still set for the 12th. Um, it was originally slated for Easter, though, uh, before the pandemic started. So, so we do get to see it five days sooner, so that's nice. Yeah, hopefully by then it'll be okay to go to the <laughs> theaters, because here's another movie I'm really excited to see. Yeah. Yeah. And this has been the normal slate for the Bond franchise since the Pierce Brosnan era to release around November. Yeah. In good news, films are starting to get back into production, and one of the biggest movies I'm excited for is Into the Spider-Verse 2 has officially started production. <laughs> I am way too excited about this film. Um... I, uh, I've talked to people who, who worked in development with some of the art uh, of this one and the last one, doing promos and stuff. And I, I, I do know that we're going to get uh, Silk as a character in this film. Um, and there's so many good characters in the Spider-Verse to begin with. So, I mean, just... I, I, don't, I don't even know how to contain the excitement I have for this film. Uh, and, uh, you know... Especially since they just announced there's a video game, too, coming with that. So, we're not... Right, there's a Miles Morales video game coming out. Yeah, it's it's exciting. So, uh, Spider-Verse is doing way better than anybody anticipated, I think. Oh, yeah, and uh, I don't think anyone anticipated it to be one of the better Spider-Man movies. <laughs> and it is. It is. It's a movie that... Every time I watch it, I like it more, and it might be one of the movies I've watched the most in this past year. Oh, yeah. I, it's one of those things I can turn on on Netflix and just let it run in the background when I'm doing stuff, but I tend to watch it too much when I do that, so uh, I had to stop, because I think I've seen it five times or six times, and I would, I'd be, I, I would turn it on so I could do something else, and then I'd just end up sitting there. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it was my most logged film in Letterbox last year. <laughs> I think I watched it at least four or five times. Oh, yeah. It's good. The trailer for Bill and Ted Face the Music, the third installment of the Bill and Ted movie franchise, landed this week. Almost 30 years in the making, and despite pandemic delays, this hopefully excellent production is set to be released in August on the 21st this year. Uh, I know a lot of people are excited for this. Yeah, they are. Um, I enjoyed the first Bill and Ted, but um, <laughs> blind spot here, I've never watched Bogus Journey. I haven't either. So <laughs> I'm lukewarm on my optimistic for this film. It could be good. Yeah. Or it could be just silly, but that might be the point. But you know there's a Keanu sauce going on right now with um, <laughs> the success of the John Wick film. Yeah. So... Yeah, you know I, who knows. Uh, I didn't watch this movie until a few months ago when I did it for my podcast, uh, the movie of the week podcast, um, and I I enjoyed it. I I wouldn't rate it as one of my favorites or anything, but it was it was good for what it was. Um, and I, I will probably and the goal was to watch the other one and then watch this one. So I'm sure I'll see it when it comes out. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. I guess. Uh, you know, I love when they make old movies and then make sequels. 
uh, or when they take old movies and make a modern sequel. It's it's kind of fun. Well, and they've been doing better success with that recently. Mm-hmm. You know, we had the new Mad Max film, which was incredible. We had the new Blade Runner, which was incredible. Mm-hmm. And Doctor Sleep, the sequel to The Shining, was a really strong sequel. So, yeah, that's what I hear. They have boosted their game as far as revitalizing older films and making sequels to them. Yeah, for sure. Decades later than previously. And another film has been announced that it's going straight to Apple TV. Sofia Coppola's new film, On the Rocks, starring Bill Murray and Rashida Jones, will also be going to Apple TV. That'll be interesting. I think it's perfectly fine for this kind of film, because normally her films don't get a huge wide release, because they're smaller-made films. So this is a way for audiences in rural and smaller areas that would have to drive quite a way to see this film yeah to see it yeah i you know apple tv has been doing a lot to get interesting content um and i haven't i haven't watched anything on apple tv that i don't have it it's one of the few services i don't have uh or at least have someone close i can watch it with them um but you know, they. I keep seeing a lot of strong things being posted for them anyway, and this is just another addition which is going to help uh, get them more people too. So, you know, they're doing good. In the past week, several movies and programs have been pulled from streaming services due to concerns over racial insensitivity. None caused more issue than the pulling of the classic film Gone with the Wind from new streaming service HBO Max. However... Due to the uproar and its removal from the service, HBO has announced it will be returning with a new introduction by a black scholar in order to help uh, alleviate concerns about the insensitivity and discuss the inaccuracies. So, I think that's best. Yes. Um, <laughs> Gone with the Wind definitely has some alarming issues, yes. but it's also one of the biggest and classically made films. It's It's from my understanding with inflation, it's still the biggest movie of all time. But it is a landmark film in cinema history. And in black cinema history. I mean, it's the, the first uh, Oscar won by an African-American, correct? Uh, yes, I believe. Yeah, Hattie McDaniel for sure. winning for Best Supporting Actress. She right. was the first. And yes. while we're talking, I mean, it is it is a little bit, you know, uh, inappropriate for... Uh, based on the modern era, I guess, really. And it was made in a, a time period that was very racially insensitive towards African-American struggles, etc. cetera. Uh, and, it, and it very much, um, uh, what's the word, uh, glorifies the, the classic Southern uh, existence during the, the times of slavery. Uh, but it was a, a, a well-made film and it is a classic. And I'm a big fan of not burying anything uh, and just let's talk about it. That's my opinion anyway. So I really like the let's add a, a an intro. And I think that's what we should do. And I know Disney started doing that several years ago with like their um, a lot of their old animated stuff that had some racial issues. Uh, they started posting like a disclaimer on it. So, right. It's even on Disney Plus right now. Mm-hmm. There's a disclaimer saying I'm not 100 percent sure, but it basically says. Culture may be culturally insensitive due to the time it was made or released. Absolutely. That's the way and to go. 
I mean, Gone with the Wind has its issues, but yeah, the way they're doing this and having an African-American historian introduce it is a great way to discuss what's going on and what's inaccurate, but not it not completely canceling the film. It's not as atrocious as D.W. Griffith's Birth of a Nation, <laughs> yeah. which also was a landmark film for cinema history, but that thing can be thrown into the fire <laughs> and never be seen again. Well, I, I would I would agree with you and disagree with you, but yeah, it, it's not uh, definitely not in the same vein as, as some of the others. Uh, I, I, uh, I, and I'm sure we'll talk about this more in a minute, <laughs> but, uh, I, I definitely feel that, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of giving, uh, I'm, I'm not a fan of destroying history because the best thing we can do is look at it as an example of the time period. And especially this may be a period piece, but it's also a period piece as an example of when it was made showing how the world saw the Civil War and how the world saw different things. And I would much rather we just go, okay, well, this is what happened, this is what's going on, and and just let people understand that times change. Uh, you know, because, I mean, you can look at films in the 80s and 90s, and some of the stuff in the 80s and 90s is just bad uh, by modern standards. And I, th Oh, absolutely, especially the way women are treated in film sure. has changed vastly from well that and just a few years ago yeah well that and sexual preference i mean the fact that in the 90s i mean shoot we grew up in the 90s the fact that the most common insult was calling someone homosexual it was like literally a you know a knee-jerk reaction to say that is gay or you're gay and now that's not something you would utter in public in any way and it's not appropriate it's not right so, you know, I mean, just and that's all over film in the 80s. I mean, the 90s, especially. So, I mean, in 2000s. So, I mean, society changes. And I think films give us a glimpse into that time period. Even a period piece gives us a glimpse into multiple, I guess, uh, periods sometimes. So, Well, sometimes you're able to um, talk about modern issues in films yeah. by placing it in a different time. For sure whether it be the future or in the past. Absolutely. So, Do you have any more news? I have one other news story, okay. Jim. And since we've been talking about Academy Award-winning films, the Oscars announced that not for the 2020 films that will be the 2021 Oscars, but in 2022, for 2021, the Academy Award says they will have for sure going back to 10 pitcher nominees locked. Now, for those of you that are like me that keep up with Academy <laughs> history, even though I have a love-hate relationship with them, after 2008, when The Dark Knight was not nominated for Best Picture and many audiences, fans, and critics were in uproar that such a landmark and popular film was ignored by the Academy, the Academy decided, well, fine, instead of five Best Picture nominees, we're going to go and do ten. And they did this for about two years, and then they got scared because the ratings always keep going down year to year. So then they announced, okay, it'll be anywhere between five to ten films. And since 2011, 
They've usually either nominated nine or eight films. But they said for the 2021 films, so the Academy Awards of 2022, they're nominating 10 films. And I suspect they're doing this because so many movies have been pushed back to next year yeah. that there's going to be a lot of content released in 2021. Well, and I would also say that, you know, I know one of the things they're also talking about is trying to set standards for um, making sure there's diversity in films as far as Oscar winning films. And I think by expanding the number of nominees, it gets more nominations for pictures that contain or were directed by African-American directors or actors and so on and so forth and other uh, groups of color. And I think the more we do to s expand the nomination list, is, I mean, you can't go too big. You go too big, obviously, it just takes way too long. But 10 is a good number. Now, I will state that the Dark Knight uh, issue, I think, was overblown, mainly because of the death of uh, Heath Ledger. And that's why that movie was as big and successful. It's great and all. But if, if it wasn't for Heath Ledger, I don't think that movie would have won a single award um, because again, it was a comic movie, and comic movies don't win don't win these awards because Logan didn't, and Logan was a better movie. Sorry. <laughs> um, no, they're both great. I can't say if one's better than the other, but but you, but you yeah, can make that's the why argument that Logan at least had op had the chance to win Oscars too. So, well, it was nominated for best adapted screenplay. Yeah. <laughs> Which, which, you know, let's let's be real. That's not the ones they're trying to win as much of. So, uh, I mean, but yes, I I think Logan is just as good as The Dark Knight and yeah. should be as acknowledged yeah. but, uh, as a landmark film in the genre as well. Again, it's an issue with the Oscars in general, and I completely I know I know there are a lot of those, and as someone who enjoys them, I don't watch them every year. Sometimes I miss them just because of timing, but uh, I try to keep up. And there there are. I get the love-hate relationship. <laughs> That's one of mine. But Black Panther was nominated for Best Picture. Yes, Black Panther was. And again, I would state that that had a lot to do with the cultural relevance at the time. And Black Panther is an amazing movie and is up there with some of those other ones like Logan. It's just such a great film. But I think in general, they ignore them even if they are great films because they're comic movies. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. They ignore mostly anything that's not a drama for the most part. Yeah, much like, I mean, that, um, but, yeah, go ahead. But here's my thing. If they're going to for sure do these 10 nominated films, which is fine with me, like you said, this opens the room for them to bring in more diverse films mm -hmm. and get more diverse people nominated, such as films directed by African-Americans, women. Yeah. Anyone of color that's not a white man. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but if they're going to nominate 10 films for Best Picture, then they need to increase the Best Director list to 10 directors instead of five. Yeah, I think it should be everything should be nominated to 10, not just, I, I really think they should spread it out. Let's make sure everything's getting a fair shake and not just the best film. I agree. But I mean, I get that. I, I think that the best way or the only way they're going to increase their ratings is for more people of color to win. I also think that uh, they need to probably add some gimmicks. I know they're not. I mean, it's they like to keep it classic, but they probably need to have some voting thing for people to do. So like American Idol, I don't know what you'd vote for. 
uh, best dressed or something and have some kind of thing at the end. I don't know. Then people would watch it. <laughs> I think the other biggest issue is we have a lot of people that are Academy members that are not really working in the industry sure. anymore. And a lot of these people aren't even watching the films that come <laughs> out. Sad. They're just hearing what's supposed to be good. Yeah. So I really think the Academy should come up with a board like a lot of these film festivals mm -hmm. do, a committee that they're responsible for watching all the films that they need to watch. Yeah. And then the they, as a committee, come up with the nominee list. Probably a good idea. All right, I guess that's it for the news <laughs> before we basically turn the Oscars into a feature for today. This week's feature. In the United States, we're dealing with major issues involving systemic racism. The issues with police brutality towards people of color, especially black Americans, while it has never left, has, been, has, has seen recent growth, or at the very least, has seen far more media attention. With many places still on lockdown from the COVID-19 pandemic, we are seeing mass protests across the country in an attempt to be heard. Because of this, and in attempts to educate people who have not experienced the same hardships and issues as black Americans, several companies have begun releasing several movies and programs to be viewed for, to be viewed for free online. Right. This all started last week when Amazon announced that they were going to allow people to watch the recent film Just Mercy for free instead of having to charge to watch it, to rent yeah. it. It was a film that was released late last year. It kind of got some rave reviews from its Toronto Film Festival debut, but then it kind of got largely ignored due to so many movies that get released right at the end of the year, and then it got a wide release in the middle of January. But the movie is about an African-American man played by Jamie Foxx who is wrongfully accused of murder, and he is being defended by Michael B. Jordan, and it also has Brie Larson in it. Yeah. And yeah. I haven't seen it yet. I plan on watching it while it's free. I hear it's really good, and it is an educational film about how systematically our justice system yeah. is unfair to people of color and black Americans. Absolutely. And Amazon has put a bunch of films about and made by African Americans for free on Amazon, including Ava DuVernay's Selma, uh, Will Smith's playing Muhammad Ali, and several other films. And not all of them are about hardships. They're just films that are about and made by people of color. And this is just a small way you can support the movement and cause if you are a little hesitant to go out there and protest because of COVID going on yeah. or you don't have the funds to support to Black Lives Matter. It's not a big thing, but it is a small way to educate yourself and support what these Americans are doing right now. Absolutely. Uh, and like I said earlier, one of the things is we all live in our own bubbles. We all have our own life, our own existence. We don't all understand what's going on for everybody else. If you're a white American, uh, you probably don't understand everything a black American goes through and vice versa. I'm not going to say that uh, all white Americans have life easy. Trust me, I come from a poor family. I've got a lot of I've got a lot of uh, members in my family who've really struggled through their lives. But sometimes, just because you've struggled doesn't mean other people have haven't struggled more. Also, imagine 
if you will, uh, if your life had how your life could have been different if you weren't allowed to just go into certain restaurants or not or or every time you walked into a room, people looked at you differently. So, I mean, there are a lot of things and that's what this is all about. It's trying to educate people on the differences and some of the things that the, uh, each culture, each group is seeing in their lives, in their society. Um, and we're seeing systemic issues as far as racial injustice uh, in, in, in police action and several other things. Now, we're not we're not going to get into all of them today. Obviously, this is about movies. So but there's so much to look at. And again, all these companies are trying to put out films to encourage you to take a look at the world through different eyes. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, Netflix has created a whole section uh, for Black Lives Matter. There's over 45 shows, movies, and documentaries, including uh, the new Spike Lee film, The Five Bloods. Um, you know, it's got uh, a documentary on uh, the 13th Amendment um, and a lot of things about the L.A. riots and, and, uh, and all sorts of interesting uh, movies and documentaries, shows, etc., even some TV shows, uh, but definitely worth checking out. Um, you know, if, if you don't, <laughs> it's kind of hard to get into some of this sometimes because we, like I said before, we don't understand everything everybody else does and sees, but we need to be sympathetic to other people's causes. For sure. And I would highly recommend Spike Lee's The Five Bloods. It's a very good movie. It's definitely very timely released, even more so yeah. <laughs> with all this going on in the death of George Floyd. Yeah. But it also deals with the subject of Vietnam and the effect that war had on the veterans and the people of Vietnam and just what war does to people and how it changes them. So it's a very interesting and well-made film. Yeah. I also highly recommend that you watch Ava DuVernay's documentary, The 13th, about the 13th Amendment. Yeah. And how corrupt our justice system is and <laughs> how it treats people of color. It's not an easy watch. It's not a fun watch. But it's highly educational and eye-opening. Yeah. And I think it should be taught in schools. For sure. I think the the classic problem with the education system and this stuff is they have a limited amount of time. And, I, and between that and the fact that it's mostly written by white people. Um, it's kind of hard to make sure that everybody and everything gets covered. And this is, you know, high school is just the beginning. And I try to tell people that after you get a high school, you've, you've just you've just scratched the surface on history and you can learn so much more. But, yes, they need to push some of these uh, issues deeper into our education system, and make them a requirement. If after watching some of these more serious things or if you're in the mood for some lighter material, like I said, the Netflix section, they've got. Uh, comedy specials by Trevor Noah, uh, Wanda Sykes, Chris Rock, uh, and a lot of other things. One of the things that's not, I mean, uh, that Netflix also dropped on their comedy YouTube channel on early Friday is um, a special called 846, as in 8 minutes and 46 seconds, uh, in which Dave Chappelle uh, addresses the death of George Floyd and the ongoing nationwide protests Um Let's see. Uh, it's named for the length of time that the uh, the officer had his knee on Floyd's neck. And uh, yeah, it's it's supposed to be really good. And I'm excited. I'm going to watch it. I love Dave Chappelle. I tend to watch every special he puts out. Um, 
So I will be watching that this week, I'm pretty sure. So Yeah, there's just a ton of content. And yeah, like you said, not all of it is directly about what's going on right now. But yeah, just go and watch any of these material that are made by African Americans that are about black people. Yeah. Just go and watch this and support yeah. it. It, it's just the cost of an hour or two of your time, and it may educate you. Do a little good now. It'll make you feel better, too, and you'll understand something. Um, so, you know, or it'll make you feel worse, I guess, depending on how things go. Um, <laughs> but a lot of these programs uh, will educate you and give you more insight into, uh, you know, what's going on right now and what people of color are dealing with. Uh, that's my PSA for the day. And yeah, let's all try to be better people, right. and let's just try to listen yeah. to others, yeah. and that will help us grow as a nation. Box office. Um, this week, uh, as mentioned earlier, Artemis Fowl uh, was released to Disney+. Plus. The film adaption of the uh, youth adult fantasy novel Artemis Fowl was released. Um, to Disney Plus on June 12th, and so far has not been very popular. According to the website Rotten Tomatoes, the movie is scoring a whopping 10% on the tomato meter and only slightly higher at 22% for audience scores. I haven't seen the film, uh, so I don't know, nor have I read the book. Um, but that's not a good uh, start so far. No, I've seen this movie, and I wouldn't quite say it's that bad. It's just mostly forgettable. Mm -hmm. um, it's not very good, but it's not bad. Uh, I had to review it for another podcast that I guessed on. Yeah. It's called Pond Press. And yeah, it's just there, <laughs> and it kind of wants to be in the vein of something like Harry Potter or Star yeah. Wars, and it just doesn't quite hit. Yeah. And I don't know, I know fans of the novels are upset. I know they mix two of the novels into this film. Yeah. But it just doesn't seem like they knew what they wanted to do with this. And it looks like they just threw a bunch of money <laughs> in hope of creating a franchise. Yeah, we've seen. And I think Disney wanted to put it, with COVID going on, they decided that this is probably not going to be one of our bigger money makers. Yeah. So let's drop it on Disney, and maybe we'll get more audiences watching it. But if what you're saying is true, it doesn't look like that many people are watching it. So well, that that was based on a hundred and something reviews at the at this point. So uh, I don't know, um, I don't know how that's going to go. So, um, but you know that I think kids will like yeah, it. Sure, unless they read the movie, but. But that's about it. I don't think anybody else is really going to like this movie. Speaking of books uh, turned into film, uh, originally hitting theaters back in December, Little Women is still making money at the international box office. It is currently playing in 13 international markets on over 400 screens, and this weekend brought in $760,000, making its international total $99.5 million. Uh, this number should continue to rise as new markets finally get the film as they open up to show films after the COVID-19 crisis. So, you know, that's good news, I guess. I didn't see it yet. I heard, I heard mixed reviews. I would recommend it. It was one of my favorite films of last oh, year. And it, the, 
the way it's executed is n not like any other adaptation of this novel. And it has a little bit of a modern approach okay. to it. So you might might give it a chance. And it has a really great cast. That's what I hear. I did hear the cast was great. So, Gone with the Wind, after being pulled from HBO Max, uh, rose to the top of Amazon's movie and TV bestseller list. Where at one point, where it at one point occupied the number one slot as well as the number eight and nine slot, uh, it was such a frenzy uh, uh, that it sold out in every format on the online retailer. So you know everybody got freaked out because they were taking it off of HBO Max, and I guess they were afraid everyone was going to get rid of it. So uh, they bought it all up. Wow! I think it's streaming on Amazon too. Ironically. Um, is it? I think I saw something saying it was, but I could be wrong. But they went ahead and bought it in case everybody pulled it, I guess, is what I think was. Uh, yeah, they wanted to They <laughs> wanted to rake in that money. Well, I saw that someone else was selling a copy for like $280 to, uh, you know, so I, I doubt they're going to get it. But I know the 70th anniversary or whatever edition came out recently, too, so. Uh, so they've sold all those. That probably would have been the 80th. Or maybe 80th? I don't know. Whatever, one of the anniversary editions that was out uh, sold out. So pretty much every format or every format that they had on Amazon sold out. Do you have anything that's, uh, that you know that's coming out that I'm or, or that's in the box office that I didn't mention? Uh, I haven't had a chance to watch Judd Apatow's new movie, King of Staten Island which is available to rent mm -hmm. online. Um, I hear it's really good. I hear this is his best film since Knocked Up. Wow. And, um, I'm interested to see it. Yeah, he usually does good work. Um, I don't know how excited I am. Uh, what's the lead actor's name? Um, uh, Pete Davidson from Saturday Night Live. I am not his biggest fan. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, like, when I... I, I, I I, I cringe a little bit when I see him on Saturday Night Live. Usually, I, I don't find him that humorous. Um, he was on an episode of something I was on, on the Rookie. That's what he was on. An episode of the Rookie I was watching, and it was okay. But I I don't I don't quite like him very much. So I might check it out just because uh, you know Apatow does a really good job. But I'll probably wait till I can see it for free. Um, something I'm excited to watch coming out uh, is. Uh, I really want to watch Knives Out. It's finally available on streaming as of this weekend. So, um, Yes, go watch it. It is so much fun. It's so entertaining. Yeah, it was one of those films that was in theater that I was planning to watch, and just the way everything fell, I just could not get to see it. Um, and I was very disappointed by that because just, you know, I, I, I try not to know too much about a movie. Um, but just the first trailer from the moment I saw it, I went, this is one I, I'm going to see and I'm going to probably enjoy because it's got that murder mystery feel. And, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of those. So, yeah, he's very much doing his take of uh, Agatha Christie novel. Right. right yeah. Uh, and that's what it felt like, like, a you know, classic uh, Ten Little Indians or, you know, um, what's the other name for that? Um drawn a blank but oh, yeah there's so many well agatha christie's book the ten little indians i think there's another name for it uh oh is there i think there is 
Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm thinking of something else. But anyway, yeah, Ten Little Indians and other stuff like that. That's exactly what it made me think of when I saw it. Um, but yeah, when I saw the trailer. So I'm hoping to watch that this week. Uh, probably sit down and watch that with the wife. We've got a couple other movies I know we're trying to watch. So, um, But yeah, I'm going to watch that. I'm definitely excited to watch, like I said, Dave Chappelle's special. What else are you looking forward to watching this week? I think Jon Stewart's new movie is coming out, hmm. which is called Irresistible, which is also going to be available to rent. I don't know if it comes out this week or the next week, and yeah. it has Steve Carell and some other people in it. Yeah. And even if it's not good, it should be interesting. I I like Jon Stewart as a person, and I think what he did for the 9-11 responders was yeah. admirable. Yeah, he seems like a good guy most of the time, even if I don't always agree with him on everything. Uh, also, I'm another thing I'm looking forward to watching this week is uh, one of our local theaters uh, in my area is they they do classic films like once a month kind of thing here and there, and they haven't been doing them lately. But I, I noticed on my calendar on Facebook the other day that uh, Jaws was supposed to be showing this coming weekend. I, I was kind of hesitant, but I looked and they weren't and they are still planning to show it. Uh, hopefully there's not a huge turnout, but maybe people will donate money anyway, because I know it runs totally off donations and uh, they, they do like five dollar tickets for these things. Um, so I'm hoping to watch Jaws on Saturday and on a big screen, which is something I've wanted to do for years. So I'm excited. I'm going to risk the covid and uh, and go out and do that. Um, <laughs> hopefully, luckily it hasn't been too bad in my area, especially in, in where this is going to be showing, um, that town. So hopefully it won't be too bad. So, but yeah, I'm going to risk it for Jaws. Well, tell me how it is. Cause I am, I am not, even <laughs> though that is a movie I would love to see on the big screen. I, I hear you, man. But man, I, Jaws is like, I, I just got a Jaws t-shirt in the mail the other day. I'm, you know, I, I'm excited. I love Jaws. It's, it's. My favorite Spielberg film, I'm certain, uh, but yeah, it's good. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go watch that. Um, but yeah, I think that's all I've got. That's all I got too. All right, well, uh, join us next time, guys, uh, and thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can follow us at Real Movie News on Twitter and Facebook. And if you'd like to shoot us an email with some recommendation on stuff to talk about. You can reach us at realmovienewschannel at gmail.com. If you'd like to keep up with me or any of my other things I'm doing on social media, you can find my podcast at VideoStoreRej1 on Twitter and at VideoStoreRejects on Facebook. And if you'd like to keep up with me personally, you can find me at FilmNerd85 on Twitter and Letterboxd. And you can find me at Cody's Film Page on Facebook. Uh, if you'd like to follow me, Jim, uh, you can get me at uh, Passive Creative on Facebook and Twitter or uh, as Passive Creator on Instagram. Also, if you're interested in other movie podcasts I do, I'm on Movie of the Week podcast, which you can find on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as well as get wherever you get your podcasts.